Well, I'm excited tonight because I get to introduce you to our guest speaker. Um, We met her and her husband 20 years ago in Bible school. That feels like it was a really long time ago. Um, And to know Liz, you will know that her heart beats with a vision that God has put inside of her. And um, I didn't know her very long before she started sharing that with me. And so her heart beats to, I'm going to read it because I'm not going to mess it up, is to minister complete healing to youth struggling with habitual behaviors and trauma. And 20 years ago, she had this vision, and it's so exciting to see it coming to pass now. She's recently moved to Nashville about a year ago, so we've been able to spend way more time together than we used to. Um, God has gifted her with words. She writes very eloquently. In fact, this week, she just had her curriculum published. And so um, as a friend, she challenges me um, to be a better person, and I'm excited for you guys to meet her and for hear what God has put on our heart tonight. So can you please welcome Elizabeth Keck? Thank you. Thank you, Melissa, so much. Um, You know, when you just meet someone and you're forever friends, there's a spiritual connection and Um, What's so beautiful about our relationship is we haven't had a lot of um, time over the last 20 years as life has pulled us in different directions in ministry to really be face-to-face, but we've um, stayed in contact and and raised our kids together really in a a, um, distance, but it's been so beautiful to come back and and be closer only three hours away feels like such a gift um, because... I was in California, and she's been all over the world, so um, I'm so grateful that we're here, so thank you, Melissa. You made me sound so professional, (laughs) Um, but Pastor Haley, I just want to say thank you so much for trusting me tonight with your house and and with your women, and it's so incredible to have a pastor on staff and a woman who says, I love women, and I'm willing to invest time in them and create an atmosphere for community to be built and create an atmosphere for women to just let their hair down and have fun and be themselves. And so you guys have a really beautiful gift within your house. And so thank you so much for trusting me tonight. Um, I love ministering to women, um, which is hilarious because I grew up with three older brothers um, and I was the baby and I had one sister who was a total tomboy. So it was kind of interesting just to find my place as I was growing up uh, as a woman as a woman and I had, you know, married to a, a man and I have two children and even our dog is a boy. So um, it is so fun to get dressed up and, and be with other women and celebrate the gifts that God has given us, um, which are so unique and so integral to who he created us to be. So tonight's going to be fun, and um, I can't wait to really see what God's going to do in each and every one of you. And it's really important for me, for you to understand that tonight was ordained for you. God cared about you walking through these doors. He sent this girl you don't know from Nashville to come and share life and truth, Um, not because I have something special, but because he loves you. And for some of you, you moved heaven and earth to get here tonight. Um, Some of you, you know, taking care of little ones, getting in the car, a little sweaty, you know, um, leaving jobs, working things out, maybe in a fight with a husband before you walked out the door, um, wrangling children, or maybe you even came here and you're like, I don't really want to go, but I said I would, so I'll go. So I'm just going to sit back and see what happens. Right? How many of you had a hard time getting here tonight? 
Maybe the outfit wasn't working out the way you wanted it to. All the pieces didn't really ship with Amazon Prime. So you're like, I don't have the the piece, right? Um, Well, as women, we wear so many hats, right? We wear so many hats. If you're a mom, if you're a wife, if you're a student, we just, we carry a lot. And so tonight, I really want to come in a place for each of you to come to this, this idea of having an expectation, So as we're sitting here tonight, we're not sitting here because we're like, oh, it's just another event. I can tell this house isn't just put on another event. You guys like to have fun, and it's intentional. Intentional to create relationship and to grow deeper and further with God. And so tonight, you have a choice. You have a choice to choose to expect God to show up in your life, whatever that looks like. Whatever you're walking through, whatever you're going through, if you're in a beautiful place in your relationship with God where you're just celebrating his joy, celebrating your salvation, that's amazing. He still has something for you. But if you're in this place tonight and you are struggling, you're in a hot mess. It's hard to show up on Sundays. It's hard to open your Bible. It's hard to see who God really is. He's got something for you too. And so tonight we're going to talk about different postures that we live our life in. Um, And first I want to just open in prayer and then I want us to pray corporately because I think it's important for us to say, wait, uh, God, I do want you here. I can't do all the work. (laughs) I can't say all the words. You've You've got to put yourself in a position to say, God, I surrender. I'm open to whatever you have for me tonight. And if you put something out there, I promise you that God will meet you exactly where you're at. He promises us in the word, um, and his promises are true. So, Father God, we just thank you for this incredible time that we get to come together as women and celebrate womanhood, celebrate being daughters of the king. Lord, so I just ask that tonight that you would anoint my mouth and the words that come out of me, that they would be driven and guided by Holy Spirit that it would pierce into hearts and it would be truth and none of it would return void because your word promises. In Jesus' name, every agenda, every motivation, every insecurity, inadequacy, all those things that can rise up in me, Father God, we lay them at your feet and we say, have your way tonight. Holy Spirit, take liberty, take place, and you're welcome here. In Jesus' name, amen. So that was for me. <laughs> That's to get me in the groove, right? Me, but now this is about you. So now I just want to pray, pray a prayer corporately with each of you. And I would love if you would just kind of take that jump and, and pray it after me. Dear Heavenly Father, Holy Spirit, I invite you into this place tonight. I invite you into my heart. Have your way. Those places that celebrate salvation, those places in my heart that have laid dormant, those places that need you, those places I don't even know about yet, I hand them over to you and I expect for you to show up. You know my needs. Be with me. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so expectation is really important if we want to live a life experiencing joy. Um, We have to know that our God answers our promises, um, our questions, our heartbeat. He cares about every single detail of our lives. So we have to understand where we're living. And for some of us, we live in a place and a posture in our life called really a posture of deficiency. 
And that looks like for some of us, oh, I have notes. We have notes. We have PowerPoint. Whoop. Okay, I'm a little bit like, I'm a girl. So I'm like a girly girl. So there will be moments that you'll be like, where is she going? I will take the long way and we will get back, I promise. I'm a storyteller, so it happens, and we'll go round and round, but then God will pierce the heart when he needs to on that piece. So hang on, buckle up your seatbelts, hope you can hang with me. But So in, in our life, there's lots of places that we can live, and, and most, unfortunately, in most women's lives, as I've been doing women's ministry, is I see that they live in a posture of deficiency. We live in a place where we say, we love Jesus, we know Jesus, we've accepted Jesus, but I'm really not worthy of Jesus. And so we live in this place where we've done that one thing where we've accepted Christ, but we're really living a life of misery because we aren't experiencing Christ. We're living in a place of deficiency. We're living in a place in in false beliefs where we say, you know what? I'm really not valuable. I'm really not pretty enough. I'm really not skinny enough. I really don't have all the kinds of friends that I want. I'm not valuable enough. I'm unlovable. I'm not a good wife. I'm not a good daughter. I'm not really good at much. Um, And we allow this script to just radio in our head and keep going and twirling and twirling until we get to this place that we adopt this false belief about ourselves. That really what Christ did on the cross, we weren't really worthy of. And so I want us to go into a scripture to see, and you'll notice I will go back because it's important to me not to mess up the scriptures. Um, so I'm going to come back and make sure that we are in a place. I want it, us to get to a place that we understand tonight that um, God delights in us. He doesn't want us living in a posture of deficiency. He actually really created us to experience life filled with uncontainable joy and peace. And if we get into this place where we're living a minimal life, because we're not experiencing who God is, because we don't understand what Christ did. Um, we're going to go back to those, those beginning places, those places that you heard in Sunday school, these scriptures, right? So um, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Most of us in here probably could quote that scripture. We've heard it over and over and over again in our lives. But are we really living it? Are we really believing what God did, that he sent his only son? I have two boys, and they are the love of my life. And there is nothing in the world that would say in my heart that I would send them to the cross for you. I wouldn't. They're my people. They bring me joy. They're my people, right? But not God. God said, wait a minute, there's been this separation with humanity, and I want to be in relationship with this creation. I want to be in relationship with you, and the only way I can do that, there's no animal, there's no sacrifice, there's nothing that can be done except to send my son so that I could have you back. So he did it. None of us could do it. Honestly, I, I, you know, none of us could do it. And Christ, God was like, nope. But my son can do it, and he's going to do it, and he did do it for you. So for us to live in a place where we feel deficient is really not a lack of faith or a lack of understanding. It's actually a lack of awareness of the authority of what took place on the cross. It's a lack of awareness of what 
Christ's blood actually did for us. He felt every scourge, every pain. Everything in his life was so that you would not have to experience it. He was betrayed. Some of you sit in here, you've been betrayed. You've been hurt. Some of you don't have parents in your life, or you didn't have a good example of what that looked like. Some of you have lost your your eldest children who have gone off and done their own thing. You've been betrayed. You've been hurt. Jesus felt those things, and he went to the cross so that we wouldn't have to bear those. So if we come into a place of an awareness of who Christ is, we can't live in a posture of deficiency. We can't say I'm unlovable because I know that Christ did that so that I could be loved. He did that. God sent his son so that I could be back in relationship back together with him again. I didn't have to go to a priest anymore. I didn't have to step into a synagogue anymore and let somebody else pray on my behalf. I was in a position now when I accept Jesus, when I actually understand what he did for me on the cross, I become aware that that deficiency no longer exists because the authority of Christ and what took place there. That I don't have to stand in this place. Gosh, the enemy is so good. He's so good at counterfeiting who who God is and who Christ is and who we are. In those moments, I I love when I talk to my kids and I have these, you know, these places where my son will come in and he'll he'll say to me, "Um, Mom, I just really, you know, I'm having a hard time in school and I just don't think I'm smart enough. Excuse me? No, no, no. Or you need to go have some time with Jesus and let him remind you who you are. I can tell you who you are. I can say it to you over and over again, just like all the women here. I can go through every experience of how God has changed my life, how he's created me to be the woman of God that I am. But until you come to a place that you say, I want to experience Christ, and that can only be found at the feet of Jesus. Only be found at the feet of Jesus. This isn't a place where I'm coming to you. You need to do more Bible reading. You need to do this. You need to do this. If you want to experience Jesus, do, 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 right? We're women. We got enough to do, right? We don't need to get up another hour early to have quiet time with Jesus. We need a nap and we need a trip to Target, right? We have enough going on in our lives. What we need to do is we need to experience Christ and invite him into our life so that we aren't living in deficiency. We aren't believing the lies when the enemy comes. So when we become aware of Christ, we become aware of what took place on the cross, then we're not dealing with what do I need to do, how do I need to feel. No, I get to stand in this awareness because I know of the authority of what it brought for me. There is no more deficiency in that. But that can only be found between you and Jesus. You can have every great speaker, every incredible pastor coming and sharing those things with you, Pastor Jody and Pastor Haley, coming and and sharing truth with you. But that's found in the secret place. That's found at the feet of Jesus. And the feet of Jesus is not some religious crazy thing. The feet of Jesus is just a posture of, Lord, I'm handing this over to you. I'm handing this deficiency to you because the truth is, ladies, we are deficient, but Christ I could not stand up here and talk in front of you. You don't understand. In high school, I threw up every single time I had to give a a speech, right? Like to be in debate class or be in drama. And I would literally puke my brains up. Sorry, I have boys. Off the side, come in, and then just start bawling. 
just bawl my eyeballs out because to look at people and to be in this place, I couldn't do it without Christ. I'm not lovable, but with Christ I am. I'm not worthy, but with Christ I am worthy. So if we can get to that place to go, yeah, girl, you're right. I ain't worthy. I'm not wonderful, but with Christ in me, I am. I can stand and speak and love and care and walk through that marriage that feels brutal because of Christ. I can show up at that high school. I can show up at that junior high because I know who Christ is. I can show up on that college campus because I know who Christ is. So I know who I am. So when the enemy comes along with all his counterfeit and his lies, then you just have to remind him of who you are. No, 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 no. Do you know who my father is? Do you, did you not just listen to that song we sang about being an heir of the king? Do do you know who I roll with? I don't roll in deficiency. I've got the king on my side. Did you not know that the king died on the cross for me? Did you know that? The king died on the cross for you. In all of the hot mess, in all of the crazy, in all of the brokenness, in every piece of deficiency that used to exist in you, he did that for you. And I know, ladies, we've heard this message a thousand times, right? We've heard about who we are. Oh, we're so wonderful. We're so beautiful. We're so lovable. But we walk out those doors. We get in our car. And we aren't experiencing it. We don't know who we are. We've got to start transitioning our awareness to who the king is. And it says to him, it doesn't matter your background, ladies. It doesn't matter where you came from. In Acts 2.21, it says this. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the Lord shall be saved. We've heard it. We've listened to it. We've probably responded to it. But God hasn't called us just to live there. I've got my ticket to heaven, end of story, but I'm still going to live a life full of misery and live a life that isn't full of joy and live a life that isn't fun because every day I'm walking around feeling broken. Every day I don't feel like I'm enough. And I'll tell you this. There isn't a book out there that's going to transition that in you. It's the word of God that's going to break the yokes of bondage. It's this book right here. I'm going to switch the teens because I kind of like them. This book right here that you fall asleep to when you read, let's be real, right? doesn't feel life-giving, right? It's not, you know, Harry Potter. I'm just kidding. They're like, This is where the life is found. This is where the breakthrough is found. This is where the transformation is found, is in these words. Because they don't return void. They produce fruit. And the things that you desire to be and the things that God has called you to are found right here. And if you believe what the world has to say about you, and you believe what the world is talking to you about your identity and who you are and what you should be and who, who should accept you and who shouldn't accept you, this is the acceptance. 
this is where you find peace. This is where you find joy. And this is where you find love. In this book. In these words. Because this right here, this won't fail you. The world will. Your parents will. Your teachers will. Your best friends will. But the word of God will not. It will be present in your life and it will break yokes in your life. So I want to talk about that place of going, well, what about me and deficiencies? So in the Bible, we've heard the story about the woman with the issue of blood, right? But in that scripture, there's also another affluent leader that we don't talk about, and that's Jairus. If I said it wrong, if we got any Greek scholars, Hebrew scholars in here, please don't judge me. I even did the Google. Just kidding. Okay. Just kidding. The Facebook, the Google, on the line. Just kidding. I'm not that old. I've got teenage, I've got an 18-year-old and I have a 12-year-old, so you got to have a little bit of coolness in you, which to them were not cool, so just let it go. Um, so... We just, we do it all the time just to tease with our kids. We just tell them all the time. We're on the, oh, what's the Google? What's your handle? What, what's that thing? The gram? What am I supposed to do on this? Um, just to have fun with them. But so in this story, and I want you to see this, of how, how God picks all of us, right? God cares about the needs of all of us. So in this situation, we, we see Jesus, he's, um, teaching the people and, and, and Jairus, who is a, a synagogue leader. And I'm just going to, I'm not going to bring up all the scriptures because it's like 32 scriptures. So I'm going to like do a Liz paraphrase. Okay. So here we have, this is where, um, um, Jesus is walking and, and people are following him. And, and usually when we tell this story, it's about the woman with the issue of blood and how she grabs a hold of Jesus cloak and, and she's healed. And Jesus is like, who touched me? And everyone's like, what? What do you mean, crazy? Who touched you? There's like thousands of people here. Everyone has touched you as you've walked through. But what we don't tend to talk about is Jairus. Jairus was the synagogue leader, okay, who came to Jesus right when he started going to preach to the people. And he said, Jesus, I need you to come to my daughter. She's sick and she's dying. She's 12 years old. Will you please come and pray with my daughter? And Jesus is like, cool. Yeah, I'm going to come. I'll come with you. I'm following you. In the midst of him following Jairus to his home where he's got people all around praying for his daughter because she's on her deathbed, right? He needs a spiritual leader. He needs the Messiah to come to his home and touch his daughter. He said to Jesus, if you just pray for my daughter, I know she will be healed. That was where his His awareness of who Jesus was, was in that. If you would just pray for my daughter, she will be healed. Well, as as Jesus is, you know, walking along and he's ministering to people and I'm sure he's chasing after Jairus and they're pushing through people and they're trying to get to where they're going, right? Got to get you to my house, move it, people. There's lots of people. We got to get here quick. My daughter's dying. I need Jesus to be present. In the midst of that, Hunt in the midst of that getting to the house, the woman with the issue of blood grabs Jesus' cloak because she believed if I could just touch the hem of his garment, then I will be healed. This woman has had an issue for 12 years, she spent every piece, every penny she had, and the word says that she didn't grow better, she grew worse in this situation. We have two people here seeking after the Messiah. Seeking after Jesus because they were aware of what he carried. 
And they knew that if they could just get in contact, if they could just be in the midst of Jesus, they would receive what they needed. If we could just get in the midst of Jesus, his presence is not found at the altar. His presence isn't found at a conference. His presence isn't found. His presence is always in the midst of our life if we want to grab a hold of it and grab onto it. His presence is here. And in his presence, in the anointing, yokes are broken. So switch back over here. So they knew, they were aware of what Jesus carried. But check out the two different people we had here. We had an affluent leader. We had a a pastor, let's just, a pastor over a synagogue. We're not going to get all theological, but Put it in that way. Someone who was somebody. The people knew who he was. A great teacher coming and needing Jesus. He was affluent. He, you know, maybe his wife carried a Louis Vuitton behind him. Like, they're they're affluent leaders, right? In their city. Then you have the woman with the issue of blood. Who to everybody was a nobody. Because guess what? She could have been killed for even showing up. She was not allowed to be present. She wasn't worthy enough to be in the presence of the synagogue leaders when she was unclean and dealing with her issue of blood. That was for 12 years. For 12 years, I was unable to come to a place where I knew I needed to be rescued, to learn, to be in the synagogue. She wasn't allowed because she was... But guess what? Jesus stopped in the midst of going to Jairus' house, turns around, who touched me? Because of your faith, because of your awareness, because of your knowledge of who I am and what I can bring you, daughter, you are healed. But guess what happened in the midst of that? As he's talking to her about this, Jairus' friends, I'm telling you, don't hang out with these kinds of people, I'm telling you, come to him and say, don't bother the teacher anymore, your daughter's dead. What? Are you kidding me? I came to the Messiah because I needed my daughter to be healed. And in the midst, he stops to figure out who touched him. Who touched him? And now my daughter is dead. Jesus pretty much tells him, shut up. Let's go to the house. And they go over to the house. He prays for the girl and says, get up and walk. What I want you to understand and what I want you to see is Jesus had time for both. He had time for both. It wasn't about the affluent leader and it wasn't about the broken woman. It was about both of them. And he said to them, I've got time for both. My power, my presence has time for both. So the woman here sitting here, she got her healing and he got his resurrection. He is time for both. But none of that could have happened if none of them understood the awareness of what Jesus brought. And the awareness of what Jesus is bringing into your life, there is no room for deficiency. There's no room for living in a place of I'm, I'm not valuable. I'm not loved because of what took place on the cross. And then guess what? We come to this place of, okay, maybe I, I'm over my deficiencies, Right? Okay, I know Jesus loves me. He cares about me. Yes, I know. The Bible tells me so. All of these places, okay? But then we get into this posture, a posture of repayment. 
We're not in a posture of deficiency anymore. I'm lovable. I'm worthy. I get that. But now I'm in a place of I'm living in a posture of repayment. How many of you are overworked? How many of you say yes just 19,000 too many times? Right? Okay. How many of you, when I said that about get up a little bit earlier, or take a nap, you, you were like, I'll take the nap. Right? I'm looking over at these beautiful ministry leaders. You could use a nap. Right? We get in this position. We get into a position where we say, well, okay, God chose me. I get that. Awesome. I'm lovable. But now, let me just position myself in because I really don't believe that I'm lovable. I, I hear it. I know I'm supposed to. But so now I've got to repay it. So Christ gave it to me. But really, I wasn't worthy of receiving it. So now I'm going to live my entire life in repayment and in obligation and showing up and doing the things that look like a woman of God. I'm going to wake up at six. That might be late for some people. It's late for my household, unfortunately. But, you know, I'm going to wake up and I'm going to have my devotion. Because that's what good Christian women do, right? Right? You guys can talk back at me. That's okay. Okay. All right. You can, you can yell at me. You can talk back. You can say, go girl. You're talking to my heart. Like, you get crazy. Okay. Just kidding. Um, so we get into this place where we go, okay, well, maybe I'll just repay Jesus for what he did. So I'm going to do all the things that look like I'm a great Christian. And I love the word that this world lives in right now, the hustle. I want to say something, but I'm like, ah. Okay. Here we are in this place. This idea that we're supposed to build our lives is from the pit of hell. The hustle, the scheme, the scam, the I'm going to do all the things to build up who I am. It's from the pit of hell. And it's getting a lot of coverage now. A lot of people out there, just do your side hustle. You got to do this. You got to do this. Oh, if it's not working for you, get out there, do it yourself. That's not what Christ called us to do. Christ has called us to be in a position where he builds our lives. We don't have to do this hustle at all. So whatever you grew up in or what you believe or the, re- the religious ideas about what it's supposed to look like to be a Christian woman, what it's supposed to look like to be a Christian woman is for us to surrender our lives to the King of Kings. And sometimes that means we say yes, and sometimes that means we say no to the things that are around us, to the things that are being asked of us. And there's times that we go, you know what, this is that time that I need to be in a posture of prayer and fasting because I am standing and believing for something to break through. And sometimes that looks like, you know what, I... I can't get up at 4 o'clock because I already get up at 5 o'clock. And if I get up at 4 o'clock, by 2 o'clock in the afternoon, I have nothing left to give to my children because I'm a zombie. Okay, so this is going to shift your perspective about what things are supposed to look like when we're serving Christ. It, it is not 
um, religion and it's not schedule and it's, it's not, I've got to do, 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 do. So then I'm in a position where I'm actually repaying Christ for what he did for me. Really, we're in a place where it's chill. It's, it's, we understand who we are because this is a give, a give and take relationship. I just freaked some of you out because I said take. I can already feel it. But it's a relationship. It's an exchange, right? And there's times in our life as, as women or as students or as mothers or as, as um, wives or whatever, we can't get up an hour earlier so then we can, we can religiously spend one hour in the Word. And I'm going to read the book of Mark. And then I'm going to pray for 25 minutes. And then I'm going to do what they tell me to do, which is then I'm going to be quiet and I'm going to listen. But by that time, I've already dozed off because my second cup of coffee is cold and I can't even drink it, right? So we get in this place where we're like, okay, this, is, this isn't working, Right? This isn't working. I don't have to repay my relationship with God. There's no repayment to be had. There's no hustle to be made. There's a posture that we get to sit back and we get to enjoy. And when I say sit back, that doesn't mean we're aloof to what God's calling us into. But we get to be a part of the relationship where we are giving out of overflowing. We're giving out of goodness that's in us we're giving out of a place where we're we're overflowing with the word of god because we do spend time with jesus it just may not look like what what and i'm saying church leaders you know i'm not talking about your house right i'm talking about those you know those old places you sat in right then now you're sitting in a healthy place and you're starting to like kind of scab off all the old religion that you've learned about who god is this house is teaching you who god is Right? So you come into this place where these, you have these old belief systems that you've adopted and picked up. And so, but you're not doing any of them. So you're walking around feeling miserable and horrible about yourself. Can anyone agree to that? You're in this position where you're going, okay, I'm going to repay, I'm going to repay, I'm going to do, I'm going to do, I'm going to do. I'm going to show up to every event. I'm going to show up to everything they've asked me to do. I'm going to show, oh my goodness. Okay, so I'll tell you this piece. Okay, I remember when my son was in kindergarten. This is my second child. I already had done, you know, 12 years with the first one and with the second one. And, and now I have a little more time on my hands and I'm, I'm really being thinking I'm being this better mother and I'm more engaged because the first one I wasn't very engaged and, and it was hard. (laughs) Raising children was hard, but the second one I'm, I'm in, I'm kindergarten class and I'm volunteering in the class. And where I used to serve before, which is really beautiful, our pastors required marriage checkups. So we would have to go to counseling, my husband and I as a couple, as we served on staff, to make sure that our internal health is in a good place, which is beautiful. Counseling is a good thing. Having someone that you can throw up on and walk away from, awesome. (laughs) So awesome. So I remember sitting there, you know, and here I am. I'm a girl. I got lots of words. You're hearing them tonight. Lots of words and ping pongs around. So I'm, you know, I'm like, we're sitting there. My husband and I, we do have a beautiful marriage and and, um, not a perfect marriage by any means. We've been together for 24 years. We've had to work out some kinks and, and learn how to be friends and learn how to be lovers. 
So we have had to learn all of those pieces. But I remember sitting here and, you know, throwing up on the counselor. And really we didn't have much to say because we're like, we're good. And at the end, she says, Elizabeth, I think it would be really healthy if I saw you again. You know I'm a psych major, right? Like, I'm studying to be a psychologist. I really, you know, in my head, I didn't say any of that out loud, right? Anyone watch Allie McBeal? Okay, that is in my head. That is how I live my life. I punch you in the face, all in my head. Like, everything happens in my head, and then I'm like... So... Lots of smiles, but Allie McBeal. Not that it's, remember this a long time ago. I couldn't even tell you if it was a good show because it was so many years ago. So don't go home and watch it and then tell Pastor Haley on me, okay? Um, I don't even remember. I just remember she'd be standing there and do all these crazy things. And then she'd just be like, that's how my brain works. So anyways, I go in there and we come back into this next lesson. Again, storyteller, sorry. Um, and she, she sits down and she's like, well, tell me about, so I start telling her how I'm, I'm, Helping in my son's school. Please love me after this. And she's like, oh, do you enjoy it? Mm, nope. <laughs> Not one iota. I don't enjoy it. So why do you do it? Isn't that what you're supposed to do? <laughs> like show up in your kid's class? And she's like, no. No one required you to show up and help the teacher. Now you have to understand, I am grossed out by children. <laughs> except my own. Little people who pick their noses, and it completely grosses me out. So kindergarten class, and this is really embarrassing. I actually have a phobia. There is a real name of it called crayphobia, which is a phobia of crayons, and I have it. And it's ridiculous, and it's stupid, but it is real in here somewhere. So... Put me in a classroom of kindergarten children who pick their noses nonstop and play with crayons, dirty crayons. Crayons are everywhere, everywhere to be smelled. Everybody is touching me. This is not enjoyable, okay? So she says, and I get up every Tuesday morning, go into this classroom. Really, I just wanted to spend time with my kid. I like my kid. He needed a coloring mentor in our parent-teacher conference. They sat us down and told me, your son will not use crayons. Why not? Because we don't own any. He'll use the colored pencils because that's what I buy him. We we didn't do crayons. So literally this teacher, I I had to laugh. If you're a kindergarten teacher, God bless you. Um, but teenagers, they can cuss me out, get in my face, and I'm all in. So we all have our giftings. We all have our giftings. I'm all about it. They can get mad. They can manipulate. And I just laugh, girl, I got you. I snuck out of my house, too. I know what you're doing. So it, it, you, you, we got our gifts. That is not my gift. But I remember my counselor saying to me, well, stop doing it. And that was like, <laughs> Really? It was like she gave me permission to walk away from misery. She's like, she, and I said, oh, I can't do it. She goes, okay, so this is what you do. I said, it made me feel so bad. She doesn't have anybody else in that classroom doing it. Like, nobody comes in. She's told me a thousand times how I'm their only volunteer. I can't quit on her. Oh, yeah, you can. Oh, I can't? 
oh, okay. So I, she, I said, but I just feel so bad. She goes, okay, so this is what you do, honey. She said, you go in on Tuesday, and you let her know this is your last Tuesday. Oh, wait, I don't give her like a month, two months, note it. Nope, you tell her. It is your last Tuesday. And then when you feel really bad, you walk out of the school, you go around the corner, you throw up behind the dumpster, you get in your car, and you drive away. And I was like, so what? (laughs) Okay. What did I do? Tuesday I went, I told her it wasn't very painful. (laughs) I'm not going to be here. Peace out. Love you. I will spend time with my son when he is at home, but not in the classroom with all of your other children. I said all that. I know, funny, giggly, whatever, crazy. But to say that we we connect ourselves to things in repayment, in, in these offerings of must-dos or have-tos, and, and we end up finding that we've lost all our joy about who our Savior is because we're not even doing something that we like. I much rather, and, and, and it doesn't have to be a religious thing, but I would much rather sit around with a bunch of, you know, 16, 17 year old girls who don't know where they're going in their life or their heart is broken and they're crying and they've got snot. I will take that snot. But from your kindergartner, I don't want it. That is joyful. That was fulfilling for me. So when we understand and have an awareness of who Jesus is and who he created us to be, what joy he brought for us, it's going to look different than your sister sitting next to you. It's going to look different than your mother or your grandmother. They really kind of mess things up for us. Seriously, that generation, you want to stay at home or you want to work, and then now we're in this place that we're so confused about what are we supposed to do? Are we supposed to be a working woman or are we supposed to be a stay-at-home mom? And it doesn't matter what we do, we feel guilt about either one. When really God created us to enjoy and be fulfilled in the things that he wants us to put our hand to. So working moms and students, I see so many women going back to school to be nurses. And I just like, I'm like, yeah, go do your life. You're winning. You're doing something you've longed for, you've desired, and you've put off and you put off. And and this just might be the right season to step in it for you. But, you know, we really don't know where these places are until we spend some time with Jesus and we find out what is that fulfilling thing and we let go of all the obligatory things. I don't know if I said that right. We let go of all of those things because they don't define us. How more, how amazing. I grew up riding and jumping horses and showing horses. That was like what I loved to do. And My mother passed away when I was 13, and it kind of just abruptly stopped this thing in my life that I just loved so much. I can tell you I can't stand the the smell of crayons, but I could dig into the smell of manure and hay. Like, that is my happy place in a stable. I know it's probably really weird for people, but I I love it. It brings me joy. It brings me peace. It just, it's my happy place to be in the stable. And I remember coming to my husband last year and just telling him, I think I want to start writing again. And, and he's like, okay, well, let's figure it out because it's not an expensive hobby. It's not an expensive sport. So we got on the group on, 
found a couple lessons and, and started doing it and just to see if I really still enjoyed it. Was it, was it just a, an old memory? Was it an Egypt in my life that I was trying to, you know, pull back in? And really it wasn't. It was a place that brought me great joy. And so after our Groupon expired, we, you know, talked to the stable and was like, I really want to be here. I want to do this. And, and so now we're, we're in this position where I'm in the stable. I get to go once a week. I really could do like five days a week, but I do have a family. So would, you know, someday, God knows, um, is it's, it's something that brings me joy. And it was something that it actually brings. It's actually sacrificial because it takes me an hour to get there. And then I'm there for an hour and then I come home. It's like this three hour thing, but it brings me joy. It brings me, it, it brings me alive inside to do something. And you know what's so beautiful is I can see Jesus up there being like, that's my girl. That's my girl. She's enjoying herself. She's not living in a posture of repayment where everything that I do is sacrificial and everything I do is, is draining and it's, it's pulling everything out of me. And, and the word told us that really in Acts 4.12, it says, There is no one else who has the power to save us, for there's only one name to whom God has given authority by which we must experience salvation, and that's the name of Jesus. Salvation costs Jesus everything, but it costs us nothing. Nothing. There's no repayment to be done. And if we could repay the gift that was given, there would have been no need for Jesus. So if we can shift our understanding and become aware that the the gift was really only supplied by Jesus, there's nothing that I can do in my life. There's no sacrifice. There's no obligation. And I know I've made some some funnies tonight about, you know, serving in school and and stuff like that. But but women, there's things that we do in our everyday life and we do it as, as a penance. It's our restitution to Jesus because I need Jesus to know that I'm in this. That I'm legit about this relationship. So we, we build our whole life in a posture of repayment. D- does that make sense to you? That, that there's nothing that we can do to repay him. And I, I'm going to say this piece too. There's nothing that we can do to push him away. And some of us have lived in our place in our life where we've been pushed away. So at some point, Jesus is going to reject me. So I better be on the up and up and I better look the part and I better do all the things and I better. And, you know, this isn't against women's ministry, but, you know, we're in women's ministry. So we'll just say, I better show up to every meeting. I better serve on every team. I better do all the things that I've told to do. I'm going to usher. You guys call it. Is it even called that anymore? Okay, I'm like hugs. <laughs> what, what, what is it called? Uh, guest services. You know, I'm going to show up to all the things and I'm going to prove and I'm going to work in children's and, and I'm going to work with the babies. And I'll tell you this. If you get out of the way where you're not supposed to be, you've created a space for the woman who's supposed to be there. So don't do it out of guilt and shame because guess what? The responsibility of building the team or, or doing the God thing is his. Not ours anyway. So, so in this posture of repayment, we're in this place. So we, Christ is the only one who can do it. And we're incapable of that type of offering. So quit it. Just stop it. You'll be so much more happier. I promise. I spit. Did you guys get it? This is the wet zone. 
Sham- I'm San Diego girl, so like this is like Shamu, Wet Zone, SeaWorld. Um, told you I go all over the place. I'm almost done. Just hang, there, hang in here with me. So we're incapable of this type of offering. So we can't make that sacrifice, but we do need to become aware of the bridge that Jesus, that the bridge he created for that gap of humanity, not being able to do it, that Jesus did it. So now we have this awareness that we're no longer in a position where we have to do to receive. Well, I'm up here at the altar, and if I just stay a little bit longer, then I'll feel the presence. No, girl, the presence is here. The presence is always here. He is always available to us. It's us taking a step back and saying, I'm inviting you into this piece of my life. Christ, show me. Holy Spirit, guide me, lead me, show me in these areas that I'm living in deficiency and show me these areas that I may not be aware of that that I'm trying to repay you for the thing that you did that I have no reason or capability to repay. So now I get to just enjoy. But see, it's not about us getting our life perfect. It's about becoming aware of the authority and the promises that he has for us and and what he brought. There's a new, it's a shift. It's an awareness. It's not about having stronger faith to pray that thing away. It's about an awareness of the authority of the person we serve. I serve the king of kings. So you when you no one clubs, but you know you like I don't think so. You know, you walk up to the front, and you see those people. Like I'm from Nashville, so there's lines everywhere. We don't go to those places, like for reals. We really don't, um, unless we're bringing the Coopers out, and then they want to go to all those places. And we're like, <laughs> okay, <laughs> just kidding. Just I'm really kidding. So. <laughs> You don't know my sarcasm yet, but like, I'm really kidding. But like, you know, those people that come in, it's, it, oh, it's like this, the ATM. How many have lived in financial deficiency? I have. I have, whether you've swiped that debit card and you've been like, oh, please, please, please sign with a girl who always has money. Please go through. You know, you walk in, Starbucks. You shouldn't be at Starbucks if you got to cross your fingers to see if your car to go through. But at the same time, we've all probably been, I'll just, I'll just be vulnerable. I have been in places where I mismanaged my funds well, really well, to the place that Wells Fargo was like, you cannot have an account here anymore when I was younger, okay? Now I live in financial freedom, praise Jesus, because there was a, you know, hit the wall, slap on the face, a couple of financial pieces. It took a couple financial peace universities for me to get it. So now I remember those places when my husband and I were first married. So remember we've been married 24 years. So these are not like last week or six months ago. This is like years where I'd go and do the debit card thing when the debit card thing was new and you would hope it would go through where that other payment hadn't gone through. So you could get your, you know, $9 and 26 cents Starbucks that you should not be buying. And you know, cross your fingers and there's this trepidation, like you, you're like hoping, right? Or you're like, oh, I'll just write a check because I know my check won't go through, that won't go through for a couple of days. Some of you guys got me, you know what I'm talking about. Okay, so there's the fear, the trepidation. Well, when we're in a relationship with Jesus, now 
I like walk up to that ATM and I put that card in. I don't care what that teller tells me. That teller can tell me, girl, you don't got money. Uh, You need to run it again. Because I know I have money. There's a difference, right? When I know I don't have money, I'm shaking in my boots and I'm crossing my fingers and I'm hoping it's going to go through, right? But now in this place in my life, when they run my card and it doesn't go through, I don't care. I'm not embarrassed. Definitely not humiliated because I know what's there. Well, when we have an awareness of Jesus, we walk through like with that ATM that we know is going to work every single time. That point of sale, every time we swipe that card should be a debit, not a credit. Teach you how to use credit cards. If you don't know how to, I will. Um, Took seven years to figure it out. So swiping that card, there's no trepidation. There's, There's confidence There's knowing because there's an awareness of the authority of what's in that bank account. I know what's in there. So even if you tell me your machine's not working or my card declined, I can go, oh, pause, run it again. Pause, let me open my purse and pull out some money. Pause, let me just walk right over here to the ATM and I'll pull out some cash because I know my money's there. Well, when we are in this posture, if we understand and we're aware of who our God is, who, who we are in relationship with, then we can step back and go, I got it. I know who I roll with. There is no deficiency and there is no repayment because my God already did it for me. So there's nothing that needs to be done. And I just came aware of time. Holy moly. I'm so sorry. Okay. So we're going to speed through this next piece. This next piece is, is that we come to this place of living in a posture of freedom and in that freedom, we get to live in uncontainable joy because we're aware of who God is. We're aware of what the king has done for us. We get to enjoy who Christ is. And in Romans fifteen thirteen, it says this, Now may God, the inspiration and fountain of hope, fill you to overflowing with uncontainable joy and perfect peace as you trust in him and may the power of the Holy Spirit continually surround your life with his superabundance until you radiate with hope. And then in Romans 15, 13, it says, may the God of the hope fill you with joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. I wanted to read both of them to you because one's from the Passion Translation, which is the bomb. And then the ESV version. Um, I love that because it's, it's close to your King James without being King James. Like the translation, I could go into that. We won't go in that. Um, I'm already away. I should have said to you, I have a red and green deficiency, so I cannot see the red. (laughs) When you said red, it didn't click on me. So I am, okay, we're, we're going ladies. Okay. So here we are, we're in this position now, when we come aware, then we get to operate in hope and we get to operate in joy. But for some of you, you're seeing, you don't even know what that joy would look like for you. I'm not talking about happiness. Okay. There's a lot of things in life that bring us happiness, right? Eating 19 cupcakes would bring me happiness, but it's not going to bring me joy. Right? Right? It's going to bring a tummy ache, all the other things that come with it. It is going to be painful later. So happiness is an immediate fulfillment. Joy is long-lasting. Joy 
is induced by Holy Spirit. It is part of who we are. So what I want to ask you today, all of you got a card on your, on your chair. And if you don't have it, um, your team has some if you need one. So just pop your hand up or the chair next to you. I want to ask you three questions. First question, are you doing, write down something that brings you joy, not happiness, because happiness will sometimes get us in trouble, right? If we just start chasing after the things that make us happy, our heart doesn't always line up with truth when it comes to happy, right? Some of us, I mean, we're in this, some of us enjoyed the 80s, right? And then we had to scrub the 80s off. So we may have had some happiness in those moments, but then we had to scrub them off. The the happiness is immediate. Joy is from the Lord. The hope that is placed into you comes from God. So what are those things? What is something in your life that brings you joy? I want you to write it down. Just kind of look up at me when you're done writing that piece down. And then we'll move on to the other one. Because the ones that are looking at me don't need a time to process. You're extroverts. You don't need inner dialogue processing. I told you I ping pong. I warned you. We're right there. Um, The second piece is, are you experiencing this joy? And before I ask you the next question, I want to ask a big question. We can't experience joy. We can't live outside of deficiency. And we can't live outside of repayment if we don't know who Jesus is. So if we've placed ourselves in a position where we don't know Christ, I want to give you an opportunity tonight. This, this crazy lady up here talking, and, and, and are you in a position in your life where you have said, I have accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior? And if you haven't, I want to give you that opportunity tonight. There's no reason no one should ever, ever have a place an opportunity not to accept Jesus in their life. And so we can't move on to the next, the next piece of this question if you don't know Christ. So I want to ask if there's someone in here who would say tonight, I, you know, this person that you're talking about who died on the cross and, and wants me to have life and he wants me to live it abundantly, then I want to choose that tonight. I want that joy that you're talking about. Would you mind? I know this is can be an awkward moment. Have you guys close your eyes for a moment just to give some respect to those. So if you're in here and you say, you know what, this, this thing that you're talking about, this, this posture of deficiency and this, this posture of repayment, I am living in deficiency and, and I am living in a place of I'm not good enough, so I'm going to strive, strive, strive and hustle, hustle to prove that I am somebody 
but I want to come to a place that I don't have to do that anymore, and I want to make a decision to become in partnership, come in relationship with the King of Kings, the Prince of Peace, the one who you've talked about that said gave his life so that I could have life and no longer live in that place, then then I want you just to to reach up your hand and we're going to pray a prayer together. I see those hands. So out of respect for for those who are making this declaration, I'm going to have you two just look at me. Everyone keep their eyes closed. But these two. What Jesus did for you can't be done by anybody else. The life that you desire to have, the life that you've dreamed about, the things that you've wanted that are moral and beautiful and good, he wants that for you. The joy, the peace that you see in others that you struggle to achieve, he wants that for you. So it comes in a place where you go, I I declare, I decide, I want Jesus. So I'm going to have you repeat this prayer after me. And if you've said it before, that's okay. Because anytime we say, you know what, I haven't been going the way that I want to go, but today I want to make a decision to say yes. God, I'm, I'm making a heart decision to say I want you and I need you. everyone can repeat it because it's really encouraging when you're not the only voice out there. So, Father God, I ask you to come into my life. I believe that you sent your son for me. That you've forgiven my sins. The ones I've committed today. The ones I committed yesterday.
just going to move in a moment, and I really believe that it's God all over you. The places that you've been and the places that you're going, you will literally stand above the trenches of hell, and you will lift the girls who have been broken and forgotten and abandoned and rejected, and you will grab a hold of their hands, and you will lift them out because you've experienced true freedom. behind you, not in front of you. He's got a hold of your hand. And he's saying, girl, we've got this and I need you. I need you to step up and make decisions so that you can go alongside and pick up the girls that have been abandoned and they've been forgotten because you know what it feels like. You know what it feels like. They need you to choose Jesus. They need you. They're waiting for you. All of those things that you've desired in your life, that you've longed for, that you've wanted, that you wanted to feel, that you needed to know, they need it too. And you're going to come to a place that that freedom is real for you. It's real. And the girl that you were yesterday is not the girl who you are today. The girl that you look at Next year that you look at that is experiencing now, you're not going to recognize her anymore. And that's a good thing. You aren't losing you. That life trauma, that hurt, that pain has brought you to a place of really understanding who the Father is. You can't take people places that you have not been. It'll be a year of surrender, but it'll be a year of choice. On that card, I want you to write, Jesus, where can I invite you into this place? of who he's called and created you to be. 
that doesn't make sense, I'll spend another minute there to you. But I'm like, I think, I think we're good. I think we can move. But what's so wonderful is when we come into position of recognizing the areas that we need more of Jesus, is that we come in partnership and relationship with others so that we can stand in community. Christ created us to be in community with one another and say, this place, I need you to help me stand in the gap. I need you to stand in the gap for me because I don't, I can't do this on my own, obviously. So will you stand with me? And as the your beautiful sisters are up here, their hearts are open and ready to pray with you, to stand in the gap, to 